All right, how's everybody doing out there? This is uh, this will be the fifth installment of the Joe Show. Uh, this is Joe, and it's usually Joe and Al, and uh, this is a little subcategory of our overall show called Kind of Right. And uh, I've kind of uh, I've done a few of these things because Al was out of town and uh, or not available. Uh, he and his uh, his dad and I were supposed to do a show last night, which I had to cancel. So I wanted to discuss something that um, something that uh, is is very um, well. I know quite well, and and maybe some of you don't. Um, it's kind of it's kind of uh, inspired by the recent death. Uh, of Anthony Bourdain, um, who is a very troubled guy, and uh, but a very talented guy, and uh, you'll notice throughout history that you'll find some of the greatest artists and and uh, inventors and people that that do incredible things are usually people that have uh, severe mental distress and. Uh, so I'd like to talk a little bit about mental illness, and uh, you know, in, in doing so, I'll I'm going to talk about myself a little bit, and then maybe uh, which which is not, you know, I, I need to preface, and it's it, and it probably doesn't have to, you know, it's probably not necessary to preface this, but. Mental, you know, it, I, I don't really enjoy talking about myself. It's not something that I, you know, that I really don't want to, you know. It, it's not something I, uh, not an egomaniac and uh, certainly not going to, you know, spend a lot of time talking about me. But I think my story, or at least over the years, my story has helped a lot of people. And I'm not afraid uh, to talk about things like this because I think that it's uh, it's just part of who you are and and uh, you know and if it could help somebody then it's uh, it's definitely worth talking about so let's talk about a little bit of mental illness and and we'll, we'll start like this now my my situation is I my first memories uh, when I was a when I was you know from my first memories um, I I felt there was there was something uh, there was something wrong um, there was something uh, I felt uh, anxious and I felt like there was some sort of a a weight on my shoulders. And, you know, I'm talking, we're going back to when I was five years old. And so there is a, there is a definite, uh, you know, argument to be made over whether uh, mental illness is caused by environmental factors or genetic. Um, and I believe it's probably a combination of both. I mean, if I mean, if you live in a household where you're beaten every day um, and you you endure that for 10 years, you're probably not going to be okay. Um, 
However, if you're genetically predisposed to uh, some sort of illness, then, uh, you know, it doesn't really take, nobody really has to be mean to you. So my deal is I had basically depression and anxiety from the time that I can remember. And this is a, you know, this is widely discussed on the Internet and, uh, you know, what to do about it and what it feels like and, uh, you know, whether medication is the way to go or you should go to psychotherapy. And I'll share my experience and then kind of share the experiences of people that I've met along the way and, and actually help because I don't have any, for whatever reason, I don't feel it's not an embarrassment for me. It's it's part of my it's part of my uh, um, well, it's part of who I am. So, you know, take going back. Uh, you know, let's go back to when I was uh, high school, college years, um, having depression, and I'm not talking about. I mean, everybody goes through has depression and anxiety. There, there isn't a human alive that hasn't experienced some sort of depression and anxiety. I mean, when you're, if your loved one passes away or if your, uh, you know, mom or dad passes away, I mean, there is a, you know, you're, you're allowed to get depressed. You're, you, this is part of being human. You're, it's okay. Um, and same goes for anxiety. I mean, if you have, uh, a really big interview coming up, or if you have a, uh, you know, a huge test coming up or, uh, or you're under some sort of, you know, you're under some sort of assault or, uh, anxiety or feeling, feeling uneasy, a sense of uneasiness. Is, uh, is is certainly verified. I mean, it's certainly part of the deal. It's part of, you know, that we have a fight or flight mechanism. Um, so, you know, that that's, that, it, it's a normal thing. It's a normal thing to feel anxious when there are things coming up that, you know, that will make you feel anxious. Same goes for depression. What's not normal is to constantly feel depressed and feel anxious. That's not normal. So if you have chronic, and I'm talking about when you feel like there is a 200-pound weight on your shoulders all the time and you're constantly worried, then... That's not normal. It's not a normal thing. Now, at my advanced age of soon to be 55, uh, you know, back when I was in high school and college, and this is, this is going to go to when, uh, you know, this, this kind of thing was not really, um, you know, there, there were very mental illness back when I was in high school in the 70s and college in the early 80s. Uh, was something that I never thought about. You know, nobody thought about it. It just wasn't a, uh, I mean, I, I took a Psych 101 class and 
but it was never really something that you talked about and that you, uh, you know, that I never thought that I knew anybody that was mentally ill, including myself. But there was sort of a, uh, a period of enlightenment in which, uh, whether it be for pharmacological reasons or enough people doing crazy shit, that uh, people started to realize that, hey, there's folks out there that are that are sick and they're not sick as in heart attack or need a lung transplant, excuse me, or they, they uh, you know, have a medical issue in the sense that, you know, there's something that you can look at, broken bone, uh, but they had, they're in, a, in mental distress. So my... Uh, I, I wasn't cognizant, really, of my situation. And, you know, and ba basically what I did was sort of just hide it and put the best, my best face forward and, and trudge through. And, and uh, but it's, it's almost like I, I explain it to people like this. Um, it's, it's like using 75, 50 to 75% of your energy just to put across a face that is normal. Now, I can't describe to you, I, I guess, I can't describe to you what, okay, if I didn't use that energy to be normal, what, all right, what would, what would a person with mental illness look like? But I would imagine, like, there are people that jump out of bed excited to go and face the day. Uh, jumping out of bed for me took everything that I had on most days. And that was a, you know, and that, and I, you know, I did what I had to do and was able to establish friendships. I was able to get married and uh, my first marriage, which I screwed up. But the, the first time that I ever said, hey, there is something wrong and I need to go and fix this, was when my first wife was pregnant with my daughter, my only child, and I said, you know, to myself, I said, I cannot, I can't raise a child the way that I am. So at the ripe age of uh, 25, because uh, my daughter was born uh, four days after my birthday, so she was born when I was 26, but I, I want to say proceeding, you know, before a few months after I knew my first wife was pregnant, I went to a place, a counseling center, and I met with uh, a couple of counselors, and then I met with a psychiatrist and he prescribed me some medication um, and that medication was uh, was something that I've been on since then um, and it was it was very early in the when, when drugs came along and uh, I believe the first drug that came for for depression was uh, Prozac and I, I want to say that that is a, um, a drug that had not been around for very long um, up until the late 80s, early 90s. 
And it was really the first uh, SSRI drug, which is, uh, I'm going to screw this up, but it's a, it's a serotonin reuptake inhibitor. And uh, people that are depressed, it was basically for people with depression. Now, there, the, the drug that I took, which was clonazepam, which I still take to this day, um, and I, I, honestly, I take the same dose that I took 30 years ago. Um, that drug, uh, it masks anxiety. If you're, it's, it's very much in the same family as uh, somebody that's taking, say, um, Ativan today or um, uh, Xanax today. It's a, it's a very close relative. It's, a, it's, it's in the benzodiazepine family. And, uh, you know, and, and there are some people that just get overwhelmed and anxious and, and uh, they need to take it. And there are some people that have just chronic anxiety, which, which I did. I had chronic anxiety and depression. And you have to understand, chronic, chronic anxiety and depression, it's kind of this vicious circle because when you're, when you're depressed, you, you lose, you know, you, you um, lose hopeless you know, you become hopeless, and when you become hopeless, you become afraid. And when you become afraid, you become angry because, you know, your fear and anger are are first cousins to one another. I mean, you're you're because, you know, you you need to survive as a human being. So, I mean, in order to get food and and clothe yourself and uh, you know, be able to to exist in the society, you have to get out of bed and go to work and, and do something with yourself. And uh, that's really hard to do when everything in your body is telling you to just, you know, stay in bed. And I'm not, I'm not a person, never was a person of means and, uh, you know, couldn't just use my trust account and just uh, forget about it. I had, I had responsibility. So, moving forward, I was, uh, you know, this worked. I, I was able to function. I was able to function through life. And I was able to, you know, sustain a marriage for the better part of 12, 13 years, my first marriage. And, um, and through that time, I had gone and seen a number of uh, psychologists and th- there was really never, uh, I'm sort of a, uh, a, a logical type person, meaning I'd, I would go in and I would say, listen, you know, tell me what the program is. I mean, here's what I have. Here's what I feel like. Here's what, what do you do with somebody like me? How do you fix it? How do you, how do you correct it? And, you know, a, a lot of times I would go to, you know, several of these uh, um, visits and and just kind of walk away just not, you know, like feeling like this is, just isn't going to go anywhere. And, it, and it's not really because I didn't think that it would work it's, or that I, I was impatient. It was more like I just, I had the feeling that uh, this this person that I was working with 
um, really didn't understand what what the issue was. She didn't. So I mean, if you don't understand what the issue is, how are you going to fix it in a person? And I'm sure I'm not a psychologist, or but I'll tell you one thing. My first the psychiatrist I went to. The only difference between or the difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist is the psychol psychiatrist can prescribe medication. And in my early days, when I first started taking uh, clodazepam, I used to go and visit the psychiatrist so that I could get a prescription refill. And we would sit there and talk, and he would basically, I'd sit there and answer questions about, uh, because I build houses for a living, uh, I'd, I'd help him with, uh, you know, ideas on what he should do with the um, house that he was building as a vacation home down in Provincetown at the time. So, I mean, my, my only goal was to go and get the prescription and get out. And, but since then I've tried, I've tried various forms of meditation. Meditation works quite well. Problem is I'm not a very regimented person or disciplined person, so it's, you know, a daily routine is not my, not my thing. Uh, I I sort of just wake up and I do things on the fly. But the most um, the most amazing thing that happened in my uh, in my life was I was approximately forty two years old, and I'd been you know I had noticed that there were much more drugs on the market. Now, I had tried Prozac, and Prozac had no effect whatsoever on me. And I went in to see my general practitioner. And, you know, the, this, by the time I was 42, we're talking about, uh, well, 13 years ago, we're, we're in the new, we're in the new millennium. And uh, there were quite a few SSRIs out then, and and there are quite there are quite a few more now, and I told him I said, look, you know, and he had known he had known this. I'm I'm pretty open. I don't I don't really have anything to hide. I'm not embarrassed by it, but I said to the doc, I said, you know, I got to do something. I got to I got to do something because one of the things that happens with uh, if you have chronic chronic depression is that you you'll i mean i i would have mood swings that that were just unfair to my new girlfriend who i was with i made sure i was with my new girlfriend for who became my wife for 7 years cuz i said to her i said look when i first got divorced i my inclination was to never marry again and there's a lot of people that get divorced and, and do that. But I uh, I decided that, uh, you know, we, we were together. Uh, I had built a house. She was living with me. And I wanted to make sure that she saw every side of me that there was because, you know, and at the same time I had to get more used to the idea that there might be a person out there that could actually tolerate me. So I, um, you know, we, we went almost seven years 
before I kind of opened my mouth and said that, uh, said, you know, maybe we should get married. And then the, uh, that was all over. As, for, as soon as she heard that, uh, we were going to get married. So the thing is, I took this, um, I went to the doctor, and I asked him, I said, look, I know there's a lot of new SSRIs out there. And, you know, unlike a heart attack or, or a broken bone, you, it's hard to believe that you can feel better um, mentally just by taking a pill. And, and there are, pills are widely overprescribed, in my opinion. I mean, I, I, don't, I think that there, are, that there are people that, you know, have, they're depressed because they don't like their job. They're depressed because, you know, they, they, they don't like their marriage. And I'm not saying that that is a, you know, that they shouldn't be given um, SSRIs to, to help them out. I, I'm not saying that, and I don't know whether whether that is a, uh, you know, whether they're, they're even candidates for, for SSRIs. But I know that it's given out to a lot of people who just say, you know, I'm depressed. Um the overprescription of a medication, but I'm pretty clear that my my situation was from the time that I can remember, and I took a uh, I took it took four drugs to find the right one, and uh, I ended up well one one drug I can't remember what the drugs were, but one drug I was you know I had three dreams in a row three nights in a row of killing my family. So I figured that was probably the wrong drug. But I discovered, and this was for myself, I took Lexapro. And Lexapro is a, uh, now it's a generic drug. It's very inexpensive to take. And it immediate, well, when I say immediately, after two weeks, I was a, almost a different person. Um, Mood swings had gone away. I used to have a, a thing. There is there is a thing that's been out there for a long time. It's called seasonal affective disorder, where basically the light when you you know when the end of the summer comes, especially up in New England here, the uh, the light starts. You know the days get shorter, and the lack of light kind of puts you into a hole. Well. The year that I started taking this, um, that went away, and the mood swings went away, and it it, it was a I mean I call it a, a an amazing just a life changing drug. Now I, I wish I had found it at fourteen, but it didn't exist, uh, and that's that's the way this shit goes. But uh, I found it, and it's been life-changing. Now, the, the, the problem and the problem is, is that you're 42 years old, and you have 42 years of, of history being not right. And uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, for example, I, I uh, went to... 
I went to UMass Amherst. I was there for four years. I didn't graduate. I uh, went back a few years later, asked what I needed to do to graduate. One of the deals was I had to go to and take a math class out at UMass Amherst. I couldn't take it where I live. And UMass Amherst is 140 miles away. So at any rate, I, I ended up, uh, there was this lady at uh, UMass who said, well, this is long before, you know, the internet was big and, um, you know, you could take classes anywhere, but there was a college out and it was part of SUNY, the State University of New York, and uh, I transferred all my credits there and uh, took a math class and two core requirements and I got a degree from the college that I've never been to. But... Uh, that's more commonplace today, but uh, when I did it, it wasn't. And what I'm getting at is that um, uh, my thing was that I could, I when I got out, even when I finished college, had had an actual degree under my belt. There was no way that I could ever hold down a full time job. There's no way it's going to happen. Because I had days where I literally couldn't, I couldn't function. And you just don't, and, and you don't know when that's going to happen. You don't know, when you don't have full control of your mind, um, and you don't know what you, you know, it, 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 and it's not even, it's not situational. It doesn't matter you know, if you, you could, I could have had a great day the day before. Everything can be going wonderful. And I could wake up and be in a hole like you wouldn't believe. So the thing is, I, I, I couldn't, I knew that I could never go and work nine to five, five days a week. I mean, I, I, I don't think there's companies that, uh, well, this guy's out two days a week. It's going to work. Um, it's just, uh, it's not going to happen. So, I mean, my my thing was, I said, you know, well, what can I do? What can I do where I can kind of control my schedule? So I had to work for myself. Uh, that was, that was uh, unequivocal. And uh, I had to, uh, you know, and I, I, I became a house builder. So that I have a lot of people working, subcontractors working, and uh, you know it, it melds well with my uh, with my condition. And the problem is when I when I found the you know the the solution. And it's not the it's not the the end all be all, but the, but the solution to the mood swing is that you don't forget having been. Uh, this problem that the cloud lifts and you no longer have to spend a tremendous amount of energy, uh, you know, trying to be normal and seem normal to people around you, but you never forget the history that you've had. So it sort of, you know, it sort of lives on even though you don't feel that way anymore you don't you, you know I don't I don't have a problem with the fall I look forward to the fall quite frankly I'd rather be in cooler weather uh, 
you know, and it, it's, it, but it doesn't, you know, plus you, you at 42 years old, when, when I started taking this, I mean, you kind of, you know, I was still very involved with raising my daughter and, uh, yeah, yeah, there's no huge changes in your life. You're not, you're not going to light the world on fire at 42. And not to be negative, but, you know, if you look at the stats, most people don't light the world on fire at 42. But so that's kind of my story. And what I, what I want to point out is that there is, um, there are a lot of people I've helped along the way. Um, who had issues, and, and it's pretty easy to spot them, or at least if you are one, you you can spot one pretty quickly. And the deal is, is you want to be, you know, I I I would tell them the story, and you know, if they if if they use it, great. You can't force anyone to do do something, but it's okay, and it's becoming more okay. Um especially for men, because men are, you know, constantly told that you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and give yourself a slap and go out there and do some fucking work and, you know, get over it. Well, it, it doesn't work that way. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's fucking, it's, unless you have it, you don't understand. And I think that's kind of one of the problems with some of the psychiatry today is that, you know, it's very hard for somebody who's never, understood this to actually, um, you know, try help somebody that has. You kind of have to know, uh, or at least I think, you kind of have to know what the person actually feels in order to, to fix it. And, uh, and believe me, Anthony Bourdain, um, and it's not, look, this isn't, it, it just happened to fall into uh, a position where it's, where it's uh, I, I, where he passed away, and I had some time to talk about it. Um, but he's one of many people that have died by their own hand, and suicide is, you know, it's a it's a terrible thing. It's a terrible loss. What a loss to. Um, I mean, I enjoyed his show. I mean, it, what a loss. And there are many unknown people that that do this, and what a what a horrible thing to happen to a family. So, I mean, my point is, if you can, if you can kind of uh, put yourself out there and say, you know what, as a man, it's okay. It's okay to admit that you you've got some issues, and it's okay to to try and fix them. And uh, you know, and and I try to tell people that you know you can't be. On the flip side, you can't become just you know. Uh, an excuse for not doing anything. You know what I mean? You you do have to kind of, um, you know, I, no matter how much pain, I, I was able to get up and do what I had to do. Um, you know, I was never going to be like some, you know, corporate titan or anything like that. And I knew that. I knew that very early on. But, uh, you know, you do have to, you can't, you can't let this become a crutch for yourself either. But I implore anybody that has, you know, that can relate to this in any way to, 
to go out and, and seek out help. There's so much help out there. Um, so much help that's, that's, uh, you know, that wasn't available 30, 40 years ago that, uh, so many good medications that, and, and be careful while you're doing it. I mean, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to take the wrong medication and, and, uh, you know, be worse off, but, uh, you do want to, you know, and you're never going to feel, you're never going to find a, a medication that's going to make you, you know, turn into a different person. That's just not going to happen. Yeah, you don't lose your personality. Um, I'm pretty much the same person I was when I was, you know, 18 years old. But um, I feel a lot better about myself. And uh, I, I believe that's the importance. And I feel like a weight's been lifted off me. And that's important. But, uh, you know, these kind of things, it's it's something that if, if you have it, if you recognize or identify with any of this, then, you know, please get, get help. Get help for yourself. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I find in this society is there's too much focus on, you know, if you walk in, if you have a heart attack, you're going to have your whole family around you standing by the bed and after you have your triple bypass or whatever the hell they, they need to do. But if you're, if you're one of these people that are, are mentally ill to the point where you're thinking about killing yourself, well, is that any less serious than the heart attack that somebody's going to have? And in my opinion, it's not. I mean, if you're dead, you're dead. Whether you kill yourself or you die from a heart attack. And to say that you're weak, well, if it was all, you know, if it was all emotional and if it was all environmental, uh, maybe somebody could make a, a pretty poor case for that because, you know, there are, I don't know, because you're, you know, you should be able to suck it up because you're not really uh, inherently ill. But it, it is statistically proven that mental illness is passed down through families. It's just no question about it. Um, I've got several sisters that are in the same boat, and we've all kind of had it, uh, gone through the same journey. So... I guess that's uh, that's gonna. Well, I'm at 35 minutes here. I guess that's a Joe Show five. And uh, remember, please listen to Kind of Right. And if you don't like Kind of Right, tell a friend, and maybe they'll like it. If you have, you know, somebody that sits in front of a, com a computer all day, or is on the road a lot and they need something to listen to other than a book on tape or the radio, um, pass our little podcast along. And if it's disgusting and you hate it, well, don't. <laughs> so um, good luck to you all out there. If you're fucking crazy like me, get some help. That was the point of this whole thing. And uh, Al and I will be back next Tuesday. We'll talk to you then.